We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball Group Therapy. This is Kirk Henderson joining you after uh, recording a podcast with Josh Ryan about the Chiefs for at least a few minutes. Uh, you guys know the drill. The Mavs won the basketball game, thoroughly pantsed the Memphis Grizzlies, who were dealing with some uh, COVID and injury issues, but that's life in the NBA, and I don't feel that badly for them. The Mavericks clinched the season uh, series over the Grizzlies 3-1. to one. They're now in the driver's seat to win the division, which will only matter if the Grizzlies tie. The Grizzlies uh, still have to, to fall a bit for the Mavericks to actually, actually pass them, I believe, for playoff stuff. But we're 30-something games away from that. I'm not in the mood to talk about any of that. So remember, come up on stage here um, after the, you know, when I bring you up and hit that unmute button when you give an opportunity to uh, uh talk on stage zach smith notes that we ought to give a shout out to chuck cooperstein who is filling in for mark followell who tested positive with covid with light symptoms we wish mark followell the best and he is absolutely right cooperstein did a phenomenal job on the stick tonight really enjoyed hearing him in harp i know that you know we sometimes give these guys a hard time and rightfully so but i really do enjoy hearing them um it's nice. I, I switch. I often switch over to the Mavs broadcast now after hearing other teams. So it's it's really something. Um, all right, coming up first, let's hear uh, my former classmate and buddy EJ. How you doing, buddy? What's going on? I can't imagine how you watched both. Of those I mean, games. I just turned off the Mavs game at the start of the fourth quarter. I was just like, okay, bye, guys. <laughs> I can't imagine just you having any composure. <laughs> For the Chiefs Bills game. That's got to be one for the ages. My dog retreated to his like hideaway bed, and I wasn't like making any noise, but I must have just been like 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 physically presenting stress because <laughs> I just like sat there quietly. Yeah, I. Uh, anyway, 
back to the Mavs again. Just glad to see uh, uh, KP just, you know, continuing his defensive effort. But, man, John Morant is just freaking unstoppable. He has springs for legs. Once he figures out half court, he's going to be a problem. Um, They're – they're a bit of a mess when they don't have Bane, which is funny considering how much I bitch about needing Bane on the Mavs. But he's just a pretty important player, and they had enough guys out tonight. Brooks is out, too, where they just don't have a lot of other dudes who can do stuff off the dribble. I mean, I guess maybe in diminished roles some of them can. Um, but it was it was just kind of painful. I, I feel for the, I, I feel for their fans being annoyed at a loss like this when they're this high up in the standings. And then another thing that I observed too is that, you know, Luca is just so big that, like, you could tell, like, people are yelling at him to dunk, especially that one where he broke away and he just laid it up and he hopped. And it just doesn't seem like he could really reach, reach uh, above the rim anymore. I, uh, I saw a synergy report on Luca today and like synergy is a wildly detailed. It was a 10 page long report on various Luka Doncic statistics today. And the thing that stood out for me more than anything else was that synergy had Luka Doncic listed at 220. There is no way he's 220 pounds. He is much bigger than that. But he'll get there. He's, he's slimming down. I'm I'm like 215 and I'm (laughs) five seconds. I hear you. I hear you. And I, I, I didn't mean, I didn't acknowledge your KP point earlier. KP, KP was what the draw that stirred the drink or that, that uh, straw yeah. that stirred the drink tonight. He was outstanding. Just really his first half performance was one of the finest displays of defensive basketball. I've mm-hmm. seen him play in a long time. It was really. And it just seemed like when the, when the Grizzlies were starting to sort of claw back, uh, he was the only one really like caring and playing hard, and that's why he fouled out with six minutes left. Right, right. And that's fine. You you take that every day of the week because he played right. hard. And I made this point to Josh on our podcast. One of the things that KP's not doing anymore relative to what he used to do with the Knicks is he doesn't play dangerously anymore. He's so athletic, and I, I think athletic to the point to where he could hurt himself. Um, because I mean, the man can really, really jump, but he's seven foot three and he's gangly. And it seems like every time he lands, it's, you know, it's every a Every time crash. he lands on one foot, I, I kind of cringe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so it's, it's good to see him play. Like he's playing a really contained kind of basketball. I've, I've enjoyed it. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Thanks for bringing me up. Sure thing, buddy. Talk soon. All right. Boop. Coming up next from across the Atlantic Ocean, Jordan, you're up late. What are you doing? Oh, well, I uh, saw this come on as soon as I was uh, about to fall asleep, and so I figured I'd hop on and save my hot take. Let's hear it. Then uh, you can go to bed. What time is it? It is almost Good 4 Lord. a.m. So uh, my hot take is that the Mavs are the third best team in the West. Is that that hot? Tell uh, me. Go, go with it, though. Okay, well, I just think that we are significantly better than the Jazz and the Grizzlies, uh, and that if we are fully healthy, I actually like us against the Warriors, too. Uh, I do think the Suns give us just crazy 
problems. I like us but, against uh, the Warriors is a t- <laughs> Well, I mean, other than I, right now, we haven't seen a fully healthy Warriors. I'll give you that's I'll give all. You that. Yeah, they, they, they're like the boogeyman who haunts my dream. Like, t- to me, I'm not sure that I'm super, super afraid of Clay on defense. I feel like we could actually start picking on him on defense. And that's not something you could ever say about Clay before. And so, I don't know. I'm I'm feeling pretty confident that we're going to get out of the first round, probably make it to the conference finals this year. I like it. A big fan of that. So yeah, that's uh that's my hot take. So y'all keep talking, and I'll listen to the rest of the green room tomorrow on the podcast. All right, man. Talk soon. Go to sleep. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach. Now, now, now you're up. I, I hope you don't have a, a baby sleeping on your chest like you do sometimes when you call in. What's up? Hit the unmute. Hey, so I've got like I've got like two things, um, and they're gonna be really quick. All right. First of all, Kirk, congratulations on the Chiefs. My family's from Kansas, so congrats on yes, that. Sir. We're all we're all very happy for you. Um, us, you know. Um, uh, how shall I say it? Depressed Cowboys fans. Um, second thing, um, what if what if Porzingis is Gobert with more offense as opposed to Dirk Light with more defense? I mean, the, I the, mean, thing, about the, Porzingis, the thing about Porzingis. Oh, hit, that, hit that mute button. You're good. Sorry about that. In the car. Oh, no problem. Oh, no problem. Got to hit it one more time. There we go. Um, the thing about Por- Porzingis is that he wants – he has always wanted to be something different than who he is. And you can tell that he's frustrated at times. I mean, even tonight, Luca looked him off a few too many times for my liking. But he still is seven foot three. And I still think he has really good timing when he cares. I don't like being Gobert is really challenging, but I like the the notion of the fact that. His best bet is is his defense needs to lead to his offense. Unfortunately, for the past several years, his offense is what has led to his defense. And without the Mavericks, or, I mean, honestly, the Mavericks are struggling offensively. We just haven't noticed because they're winning. Um, I, I think they find their groove at some point over the next 30 games, and maybe it all kind of comes out in the wash. So as long as he's happy and playing hard, I don't really care what he wants. To, like, as long as he's happy. I agree with you. I also, um, I, I'm a big fan of the Rush Hour franchise, and tonight was really the first night where where Luca and KP looked like uh, Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan, where it's just like, all right, like no one else is going to help us. I mean, we got a little bit of help, but like we're going to do it, and we're just going to run spread, pick, and roll, and we're just going to do it every damn – It's like, honestly, it's like 2K. It's just like we're just going to run it every time, and something good's going to come out of it, and honestly, that's what they're going to have to do in, in May. Um, and, um, I couldn't, I, I agree with the, uh, the previous, um, contributor apart from just about every single detail we are still a young team. Um, the Grizzlies are like maybe two dudes deeper than us. Um, and the jazz have way more experience and, uh, anyone who's ever watched any sort of NCAA tournament with four, with five seniors on the floor with, uh, with less talent knows that experience legitimately matters. Um, I know Zach Lowe says the good players get to the finals quicker than you think they're going to get. Um, I'm sorry. I'm too uh, cynical of a fan for that. But um, you respond because uh, I, I got to go to sleep. Toddler is going to go to sleep. 
But Kurt, keep going at it. I appreciate you for what you do. Congrats on the Chiefs. I hope they don't disappoint you in the next couple of weeks. Thank you, Zach. Yes, and and I'm I'm not as I'm trying to be tempered in my bullishness because I said a couple of green rooms ago that I want and think we should all enjoy this, but I'm still a little too confused about what's happening and. I'm I'm going to enjoy this while I can and sort of temper my expectations and think that the Mavericks just aren't going to continue to hold everyone to like 0% at the rim and like 20% from three. Like at some point there's going to be some sort of balance in the force, but even if they settle and they're a top 10 defense, that's still incredible compared to where they've been. So I don't know. This is just it's nice. I mean, the, the schedule over the next several weeks is really um, one for opportunity if the Mavericks think that they can gain some ground. Unfortunately, uh, this is where my Mavericks reasonable, healthy Mav skepticism comes in in that we have not often seen them take advantage in the correct circumstance. Like last year, they won, I think, like 66% of their games after the All-Star break and then still lost to the Kings three times. So it's like they're very much like a two steps forward, one step back kind of team. And until they prove it for me and, you know, they're doing that now, but I just, I don't know. It's going to, it's going to take me a while to become an all in out true believer. And until then, I'm just going to really just try to enjoy it a game at a time, game at a time. All right. Coming up next, Christian, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, Kirk? How you doing? Good. Thanks for joining. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I obviously good win, uh, two significant series that we have in the bag, although I guess Denver's not as big now. But, you know, we have the advantage over both Memphis and uh, Denver. Um, and, you know, I think when it comes to the defense, and I, I don't know if we'll finish where we are. I mean, I think that'll be tough. But I think this is why... Uh, although we're down on the offseason, adding someone like Reggie to kind of complement Dorian and having the added benefit of KP not looking like he's stuck in cement uh, has really improved the defense. And I think the rest of the guys have kind of uh, bought into the fact that, you know, we're going to play hard, we're going to play good team defense. And I think the biggest thing that's really standing standing out, at least to me, I guess, through the TV is seeing the communication uh, between people. And I remember it might have been the last Memphis game where like Dorian just pushed Brunson to his defense uh, to the guy who's supposed to be defending. I know which player you're talking about. I don't remember which team, but yes, where it's like a visible like get your butt over there type of thing. Exactly. And so I think, you know, that puts us in a position, the defense alone, uh, to to be able to get to the second round. I think either matchup uh, will be tough. Like, I'm not as confident that we're just going to roll over the jazz or um, blow through anybody that we're going to be playing. But I do have some confidence um, of advancing. But I do think I, I don't know how we're going to necessarily do it, but I think we're, we're really missing, not that, you know, don't mean to be captain obvious, but we need to figure out a way to get a, a shooter, someone that's relatively cheap, a buddy healed or, you know, Duncan Robinson's been playing well lately, but 
if we can find a way to get a real shooter and kind of replace that Seth role, like I, I think we can be competitive against anybody. But do you think there's actually a move out there without, I don't know, whether it's trading like a Dorian or something, not having to do that, but maybe flipping Maxi. I don't know if Tim's movable, but do you see a move that we can trade maybe a couple seconds uh, and get that that shooter that we? Really- I'm looking for one. I got shown in a in a group chat that I'm in with some like NBA writers at large. I got sent this this one, and I, I cannot find it because it was. It was this morning, but there was a, 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 a jazz writer proposed kind of like a four team, a four team trade that resulted in um, the Mavericks somehow ended, ending up with with Inglis. Um, and I really I, I'm going to have to go find it after the fact, like four teamers are not really possible. <laughs> like, it, it's just such a crazy thing. Even three teamers, they just don't happen very often because of the moving pieces. What I the the big beef that I've oh here it is um Jazz trade Ingles and and Azubuki minimum contract of choice Jazz get Millsap Williams and Brown uh, Dallas trades Brown Burke and Boban at Dallas uh, seconds in twenty two and twenty four and they get Ingles favors who would fit into the uh, um, trade exception that we have and a minimum contract from Utah. The Thunder trade out favors and Kendrick Williams and a top 55 second, like one of the fake seconds. Thunder get Trey Burke, Bobon, and the Dallas 2024 pick because, like, the Thunder have to get to the salary floor at some point. Um, Brooklyn trades Paul Millsap and they get that uh, top 55 pick. Um, the Brooklyn, Brooklyn needs to, like, it was, it was a real, I'll, I'll tweet this thing out from um, at Andy, Lar- Andy B. Larson, who is a, a jazz guy. That's like, it's got to be something wildly creative is sort of the answer to your question here. If, if they're going to get something, um, I just don't know. And I, I'm never good at fake trades is really my problem. Um, I just don't have, I don't like staring at the numbers cause I do like I'm a database manager for a living. So I, I stare at walls of data. So see stuff like that, like it makes it, it makes me unhappy. So I just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could imagine. So yeah, I, I really hope – I mean, obviously, I'd love to get off Tim, but I just don't see any feasible way without us having to attach an asset uh, to really do that. Uh, but I think especially, I mean, that trade, I mean, we're, we're really not giving up much. I, You know, Bobon be sad for the, the memes and stuff to go, and he does add, you know, something in certain situations, but – if we're able to get Ingles and, you know, some others, I, obviously we do that 10 out of 10 times. But I really think if we get that shooter, I mean, I think we could be really scary because how many times have we shot 30%, which I guess is a testament to the defense, but I don't know if it's sustainable to shoot 30% or less from three and still pull. And it's great. It's great that you mentioned this. So Josh Bo is writing about this as we speak. The hundred people in here will be uh, will be will be first to know this. It'll probably go up at like six in the morning. But he's just kind of you know the optimist take is they're gonna find their shot at some point because like Luca and Porzingis can't hit the broadside of a barn from distance. Timmy can't either. Yet they're still winning. And so it's I tend to lean into that 
projection at this point because it's just these guys are too good of and too talented as shooters. Porzingis above all else. Like his shot drives me crazy because it's like a line drive laser, but he's not a 29% three-point shooter. He is 6% off his career average. Like he's going to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so too. And I, I mean, Tim's been so awful that you would think he has at least some kind of positive regression. I mean, he's just, yeah, he's, he's like in literally his, he looks, he looks like a, a, he's got the yips. I mean, there's just, he looks like a bad, like a baseball pitcher struggling. It's really uncomfortable watching him shoot the ball right now. Yeah. His passing's awful. Defense is awful. I mean, Jesus, it's, it's brutal, but you know, I, I've taken up enough, enough time. Appreciate you bringing me up. Uh, and hope you have- Thanks buddy. Talk soon. Okay, let's fly through some folks. We got my man, Mr. Dang. How are we doing tonight, buddy? He's working on hitting the unmute button, I can tell. We'll give Doe just a second. But um I, I don't know. This was this is just one of these games where it's really weird to have supreme level of confidence um over a team like I do against the Grizzlies. They're the team I would like to play in the playoffs right now because even with their full assortment of guys, I still think they play too much of a fast court game or a fast pace game, and the Mavericks can simply shut that down. Um, it's it's really it's fun. I cannot believe they're apparently in the Luca era. Maybe it's just the last three years. Last three years they are uh, six and three against um, against this team. Like that, or is it six and three? They're they're they just beat the crap out of Memphis. It's or seven and three now, as Matthew notes from the from the chat below. Um, Matt, why don't you come up here and say hello? What's going on? Come on, I need everyone to figure out how to use the unmute button. Sorry, my phone was. <laughs> it's okay, buddy. Uh, so just a couple of thoughts from tonight and hopefully I don't start coughing. Uh, the one, we could just do away with Maxi Kleber dribbling and trying to create for others. That would be a wonderful thing. Um, I have to wonder just, if he agrees with you. Uh, clearly he doesn't cause he keeps trying to do it. And with the exception, he did have one really nice reversal to Dorian today. I will give him credit for that since I'm just going to kill him on this. But other than that, every time he dribbles something terrible. <laughs> um, outside of that, uh, the main thing, whether or not the game necessarily looks as easy as it has at times for Luke in the past, I mentioned this in the recap, but I think he, like, he's back. Like, he's just, he's really good and he's back to completely controlling games and he has been for a little bit now, which, I mean, we knew he would get there, but that really is a huge development and it's just, it's just fun to see him be able to control everything. And then I mentioned this in the Slack, but for the, uh, for the Grizzlies as a team, I think that they really are a team that's benefited from COVID a little bit in that their one through five to seven may not be better than anybody else's, but their eight through 13 is just so much better than everybody else's that when everyone's had to go super deep this year, it has really helped them. Yeah, no, they're there. I love their depth of talent. It's maddening to me where I would like to steal like four of their players. It's it's like I mentioned Josh on the podcast, like Anthony Melton might have been a guy. If I was a Grizzlies fan, I was hoped that he would step up tonight. He was like five to 16 from the floor, but then he had six rebounds, five assists, a couple of steals. Like they just have a like a, a wealth of depth that 
once they get a couple of other ball handlers back, I think they're, they're like, this is why they're this good. Um, but yeah, you said something else that I wanted to to respond to. Oh, Luca's Luca's success though, to me at least offensively, is tied directly to Porzingis and he sharing the floor together. And Istok's written about this at length. Like he got a couple of shot attempts off tonight, particularly those right-handed layups off the glass coming from the left side, where if Porzingis isn't standing out at the three-point line, there's another dude five feet closer. But instead, because Porzingis is such a willing shooter, even though he's not really much of an able shooter lately, he, he a guy is like basically standing above the free throw line where he's taking those bullshit shots. I mean, I cannot believe some of the rim looks that he got tonight. Yes, I agree with that. And then one of, I mean, like that's just absolutely true. But also with that, there's been a long thought out thing in the NBA that how many you make actually isn't as important as far as spacing as just being willing to take a bunch. Like, because people have to guard you if you shoot at, at some point, or generally they do at least, unless you're working with them. But yeah, that's and like people are not going to, no matter what else he does, people are not ever going to just leave KP wide open because he is a good enough shooter historically that you're not going to just say like a game plan is not going to be, Hey, let's make KP make threes to beat us. And so like, he has been more willing to do that. And KP has been really good lately. Like, I mean, I, I understand the skepticism on KP because it's always a matter of when, not if the next injury is coming or when he's going to do something awkward and everything. You just hope the next injury is small. And I would even be okay with going so far as to say that, now would be the time to look at trading him. Not because, you know, you're there, but you just you should look to sell high to at least see what's out there. But like we do need to acknowledge like KP's been really good. I mean, like he just he's been good. Of course he has been. I mean you wrote I, I asked you to write the make the, the KP is an all star piece because I can't write it with a straight face because I'm I'm a you know a long term hater. But it's he he is playing unbelievable in like they've got him to buy into the role that works for him. And what I hope for him is that he eventually gets some of these offensive explosion games that he's had in the past where he's just connecting. And it just hasn't really happened tonight recently because he's not really getting tons of looks, but he's buying into like the gravity portion of his, of his game on offense. Then on defense, he's just helping control the game. One of the biggest things that I that I have noticed with him as well is that he has been more aggressive in defending pick and rolls in that which a lot of that is the whole team has, like you can tell the scheme has, which has made Dwight Powell actually a useful defender. But he doesn't do the drop coverage, which is maddening. But I mean like if you look at Ja Morant, that is the type of person who should just destroy him because of the jets that Ja has. Like going around screen, and, and Josh scored a lot tonight, and everything. Like he he was fine. I'm not I'm not like saying like oh you know we just shut him down or anything, but like there wasn't. I didn't watch the game today and think like oh just picking on Porzingis in the pick and roll at any point throughout the game. So I mean he has gotten much better. I don't can like I, I mentioned this. This was I think the second point in the recap is that he is back to being a defensive plus and actually a defensive weapon as opposed to a defensive liability, which is just a huge difference. And mm-hmm. whether whether or not he makes the all-star team, if you say he's the 12th best. Which is best, not, for yeah, the he's record. Prob- he's, pro- he's probably not because DeJounte Murray is probably going to make it instead of him out of the people that I mentioned. We'll and talk about that on but, the selections because his free throw rate is one of the grossest things I've ever looked at once you pointed it out to me. We used to make fun of Porzingis last year for having a .18 free throw rate. That dude has a .13 free throw rate. Yeah. 
yeah, and it's it makes him incredibly, incredibly, stunningly inefficient. But even if that, if if Porzingis is the fifteenth best player in the conference instead of the twelfth best player in the conference, there's a huge difference in that and being the the forty fifth best right. player in the conference, like he was towards the end of the last year. And so, I mean, really, that's all I've got. I've kind of taken up enough, and I will let some other people talk since I don't get to be on here these much these days. But since I have COVID and can't go anywhere, I might as well stay up and talk on Green Room. That's right. Feel better, man. Talk soon. Thanks for writing tonight. I appreciate it. Yeah, Matthew covered for me so I could uh, – my family is sick, and I wanted to watch the Chiefs game. So two things happened. Coming up next, my buddy Leo, who I am pretty sure was at the game. Leo, hit that unmute button for me. He's probably stumbling into his phone. Maybe he didn't mean to join at all. That's okay. Brandon, what's up? Hey, Kirk, can you hear me? I can. You drive. Yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, I was expecting to be home by now. Um, uh, that's so Dallas traffic for you. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, somebody mentioned Timmy earlier, and I wanted to get on this conversation. Um, I think, and I think the coaching staff has done a good job with certain players. I think this coaching staff has been a very bad influence on Tim Hardaway Jr. And I think you can see that with, you know, last in the past couple years, really. I mean, he very rarely took the pull-up mid-range two, unless it was a night where, you know, like, it was KP and Luca out, and he was, like, the guy, like that 140-point game he had in Detroit. But normally, the only time he ever took a pull-up mid-ranger two is if, like, he faked a guy, he flew past him, and it was, like, a wide-open pull-up 18-footer. Now he's, like, getting a dribble handoff, dribbling it five times, taking a, like, contested pull-up with his foot on the line. Mm-hmm. And... It drives me absolutely insane. Well, a big part of Carlisle's offense minimized guys' weaknesses. And one of the coolest things when Porzingis came to the team, not well, Porzingis and Tim, basically all the, the Dallas Mavs Knicks that, that are now part of the team, is they, they stopped doing dumb bullshit. And Tim Hardaway was probably the captain of that team. He got a second, he got a huge contract again because he stopped doing with the Mavericks, he was basically taking threes and that was it. And with kids kind of emphasis on the team, you know, Maxi Kleba being an example of somebody who maybe shouldn't Dorian Finney-Smith of being a good example of somebody who is really doing more and really no longer looking like uh, my guy uh, from, from the office who can't dribble. And it, 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 each guy has kind of been, some have benefited and some have struggled at least offensively. And I think Tim is, probably one of the people who has struggled the most given more freedom when I think all of us, like I would be fine if Tim took seven or eight threes a game and no other shots, because eventually they're going to start to go down. Instead, what he's doing is you're right. He's being put in these positions where he's being asked to play make or do something different. And he's just horribly inefficient. He's not this kind of player. Yeah. I watched him. I mean, there were, I think a couple of stretches, one in the first half, one in the second half, of, you know, Luca would pass him the ball or Jalen would pass him the ball. He would dribble and either it would go nowhere or he would throw a wild pass. It would get immediately stolen. It, he he needs, and I think you're exactly right with Maxi as well. They both need structure to yeah. be their best possible players. Where somebody like Jalen and even KP to an extent, they've been a lot better when 
given a larger role. And I think Dorian's honestly been the biggest surprise because when the first play of the season was a Dorian Finney-Smith post-up, I lost a lot of faith in our season. But he's actually responded pretty well and kind of hit the balance of, hey, I can actually dribble, but I also don't need to post up anybody. (laughs) But yeah, I think Timmy has really lost a lot of value almost simply because of this coaching. Which is, I, I don't necessarily think it's intentional. Like, it's not like everybody wants these guys to play better. But I do think that that's a really interesting point and something I'm going to maybe ask our staff to explore a little more. Because it's the, it's the you know, limitations for certain players can really result in emphasis of strengths. So that's, that's I, li- I, I like that point. It's a good take, Brandon. Thank you for that. You got anything else for us? Uh, no, just, uh, it, it was a fun game. Luca's, I, I am a little mad at Dwight Powell because Luca would have had a, a triple double there at the end of the game, but he bricked like a very easy bunny. But, uh, well, you know, that's Dwight Powell for you. All yeah, right. Thanks, buddy. Drive, drive home safe. Talk soon. All right. Sean, my man of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. What's the- uh, well, um, I'm tired of coming on here to, uh, it's good to get to talk with you again. And I hope your family gets to feeling better. Uh, tired of coming on here after losses though, unfortunately, but that's, that's what happens, right? Dude, like, um, it's our, our mutual buddy, Matt Moore, who is a Chiefs fan and a Grizzlies fan, um, is feeling all sorts of mixed emotions because he's obviously thrilled about the Chiefs, but he is not happy because I think he bet on the Grizzlies winning the division. Yeah. Um, and that's not I, I don't think it's out of play yet, but this locked up a lot for like the Mavericks would have to go on a pretty bad slide against the uh I think like the Rockets and the Spur. No. I don't know. There's not that many they don't have that many divisions. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean I like the Grizzlies positioning, but you know, we'll we'll see. I mean the Maverick the thing that stands out is this is that like we discussed nine days ago, Kirk. The Mavs defense is real. And, you know, I, I do think and, – and, you know, now looking at it, you know, who's going to win the division? That's a big thing. I think that the Mavericks are going to put pr- pressure on the Grizzlies for the rest of the year. I do think it's relevant who the Grizzlies were missing. But the thing that stands out to me is that it, Luka is back to being Luka. And Jaw, despite how well Dallas's defense is – you know, I don't think that they're going to cancel each other. I think at the end of the day, Luca is going to be the best player on the court more often than not. But the thing that stands out to me, Kirk, is 29 of 110. That's how badly we've shot from three in the four games against y'all this year and in a potential playoff matchup or what have you. That's not going to get it done. We're not, yeah. especially if Luca's or excuse me, if Kristaps is defending the paint like he was. So one thing that I have a hard time judging in the live, like I, I, I normally am better when I watch it like the next day or if I'm looking at specific clips, I cannot figure out the Maverick three-point defense because right now if you look at sort of their their 10 or 12-game sample, it looks like they're playing incredible defense while also benefiting from some pretty amazing three-point shooting blocks. Like, do you feel like tonight that the Grizzlies got good looks and they didn't go down? To an extent, but that's been that's been what happened. Like I think that that certainly happened in the game, you know, nine days ago. And don't get me wrong, the the probably in seventy five percent of the last three halves that the Grizzlies and Mavericks have played, the Mavericks played better basketball. But mm-hmm. I think that certainly has to go with it. But you also have to look at the fact that the Grizzlies are in the bottom third in the league in catch and shoot three point opportunities and uncontested three point opportunities as well. So this is. That stands out. They, they're not the best at shooting three. 
Is that a result of just sort of a, I don't want to call it a janky half court offense, but it's just, it's like guys, like one of the, the, uh, one of the weaknesses of having a team of younger guys is the, the sort of lack of long-term experience playing half court basketball is like, that's something that works itself out over time for the Grizzlies, or do you just not like their half court offense? It's not, it's a bit of both because at the end of the day, I do wish, I do think that, that sometimes it's too much. Hey, get out of the way, space out a bit, give Jaw space to operate through Steven Adams pick and roll or whatever it may be, and then be open for a three. I wish there was more movement, but I do agree with you. I think that it's, it's just, you know, reps, it's lack of reps, it's lack of getting in rhythm because we've had so many injuries and things such yeah. as to our main guys. I think you hit the point there. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we're what I think 22nd, 21st in the league in half court offense. That's going to hurt us. And like you said, you are better than most teams. It's, it's stopping our transition, but I'll just say this. I badly want a playoff series against y'all. I think it would be evenly matched. I think the Grizzlies could win it, but I also could see easily the Mavericks win it. And especially if Luke and Jar play. It'd be fun. Be fun. Doubt we're going to get it at this rate, just because the Jazz are stumbling, rumbling down the line. There's going to be some weird stuff where the Western Conference shakes out on it. But uh, thank you for joining, Sean. Do you have anything else for us? My best to you. Enjoy the All Star Game always. Thanks, buddy. Talk soon. Um, I lied. We have one more guest, uh, fellow SB Nation contributor Parker Fleming. How are we doing, Parker? What's up? Let's see if Parker can hit the unmute button. Uh, am I up? Yeah, how you doing, buddy? Oh, sorry. I don't know what happened. I, like, was listening to a podcast that played, and so I just, like, completely didn't hear you. Oh, that's okay. Uh, I'll be straight up. My boss calls me when I when I run these, and then I just don't hear anything for 30 seconds. It's- nice, nice. Yeah, but honestly, I, I didn't watch uh, tonight's game. Uh, I was watching the Bills and Chiefs game, actually, uh, my fiance's family. Big Buffalo fans, uh, born raised, or her dad's born raised there. But I mean, I, I think I, I know I, I kind of had like a no, I want to say snarky uh, comment to you on uh, Twitter. But you know, a lot of factors not going right for the Grizzlies. But I, I do oh, want the injury stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, when you yeah. when you, I did the Mavs went through, through through that earlier in the season where it's just like if you're losing, you know, you, you, the Grizzlies have some incredible depth, which is like one they of really my envious points. But if you're still missing like three through eight, it's not gonna like depth. Not, depth is depth is only helpful if if you have those three through eight guys. Yeah, I think there's one thing that's really kind of bothersome at that like, especially at twelve through really sixteen, is that the Grizzlies have a lot of like six eight uh, like big men that are like not really positionally defined. Like you have a Xavier Tillman is a six eight center. Tilly and Santi Aldama, I don't know what positions there are right now. They're thrown at the three a lot, but I mean, hey, positionless basketball. And then I mean, you have a two way for Eve Pons as well. It's right. basically kind of an extension of both. So like, like I know Sean was about half court offense. I kinda wish that one of those spots went to like a shooter or like a creator of some sorts instead right. of like, hey, you have a smart six nine guy who can do a little bit of everything, but not really that well yet. Um, but, yeah, so I'm going to watch in entirety tomorrow, but it really looks like – I think Dallas really poses that tough matchup for the Grizzlies because they have somebody who can match Jaron. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of these games, Jaron's just a walking mismatch. 
you, you put him at the five, like it spaces the floor a lot. You have a switchable defense all over the floor. And even with Adams, you're ha- you have a, a seven foot four. But when you basically have a seven three version of that on the other side, it's re- it really showed tonight that you can neutralize Jared when you have another guy that can match up. Well, and, and he's still so young. And and it's sort of I I, I argue about this because I've liked Jaron Jackson since always. Um, he's he's 22 until September. Okay, so next season, everyone who's listening, and big guys develop at a different rate. And this was like very much the sort of game where he got frustrated. Um, and and he you know, he's 417 from the floor. He's not his his sort of shooting efficiency this year. When you look at like his career stuff, this is for the Mavs fans listening. Like he doesn't. Like he's a much more efficient player than he has played with at times. And it's sort of like the stuff that we've been talking about with Kristaps, where I think everybody, all the Mavs fans expect Kristaps's like percentages to eventually swing around. And maybe it's just going to be kind of one of these off years. And Jaron sort of feels like that to a degree where, you know, even if he has like quite the hot stretch, he's going to still be pretty far outside some of his, like, like his, his career averages. Like last year, he was a unbelievable three point shooter. And it's like just been such a fall off to where, it's it just strikes me as an outlier. Like not nothing he can't bounce back from. It just might not be this year sort of thing. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I won't comment really any further. I know I didn't watch the game. A lot of the people in your in your <laughs> chat are upset. I'm praising the Mavericks. Oh, like Luka like Luka Doncic is my favorite non Grizzlies player in the entire league. But See, that's I what guess... we, we just ignore. Like sometimes I love my I love my uh, people down there, but sometimes I just nah, ignore but... them. No, nah, it's all good. No, I, it was one of those things. I saw Sean was – I got the notification about Sean speaking in it. I had a chance to actually, like, listen in. I'm like, ah, here, I'll, I'll tune in. But I'm actually about to be home now, so I'll go ahead and save the Mavs fans a good earful and go ahead and hop off. But thank you, Kirk. I'll try to join again soon. Sure thing, Parker. I'll actually, actually watch. That's all right. I, the, you had to go – if you had to suffer through the football game and if your your, your family were – Bills fans, like that just it's a struggle bus of an evening. So I, we, we've all been there sports-wise. Um, okay, this has been fun. Everybody's been great. Everybody be nice to guests. God, like unless they're like the only people we don't like are Clippers fans and maybe Spurs fans because, you know, they're Spurs fans. Um, all right, folks, this has been a wonderful time. Thank you, as always. Get a good start to your week, and we will be back Tuesday night. We have the final two. Uh, it's a back-to-back West Coast game and then after that there's only after this tuesday wednesday stretch there's only one more late game the entire season so i'm really looking forward to that all right folks be good talk soon uh maps money ball group therapy and i will see you later